Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the nether world of cults, crims, and con artists. We don't like these people and it shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction, and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and today we're taking a long, hard look at our least favourite, terrapinophobics. Did I say that right? These are people that are terrified of needles to the point of crippling phobia. You'd know about those, Jack. Oh, yes, Joel. I am across all of the phobias, and I'm especially terrified of spiders. Spiders with hypodermic needles clutching their eight legs, using me as a pincushion. It keeps me awake at night, brushing invisible spiders with hypodermic needles off my face. But let's face it, Joel, no one enjoys having a dangerously sharp 20-gauge needle thrust into their body subcutaneously, with the possible exception of some of our friends in the bondage and discipline community. But what may be a case of simple trypanophobia for so many people, something I know all too well, has taken a sinister turn with the rise and rise and fucking rise of a truly creepy group of people, anti-vaxxers or pro-diseases as I like to call them. They are the worst, Joel. You could line them up against Ayman al-Zawari, Vlad the Impaler and the BTK killer and the anti-vaxxers would still come out on top because what these bastards propose will not only kill their own kitties but take out large swathes of the population, young, old and in between, by tearing away at the hard-fought and won herd immunities the world has developed over the last 50 years, effectively taking medical science back half a century with a 21st century population. It's quite frightening, Jack. Uh, The levels of misinformation spread around on social media have created a looming movement of annoying fuckwits that threaten the health of all of us. I mean, fuck anti-vaxxers, Jack. And we will, Joe. We will fuck them good and hard in our deeper dive. But first, this, that is to say, that it's time for our weekly news. In America, there remain pockets of Americans still in the upright. Joel, you've been looking at some of those who've clambered on the Trump bandwagon and refused point blank to get off, even going to some fairly extraordinary lengths to keep the great orange one in the Oval Office. The claims of electoral fraud have not quietened down. What has been quiet is Q. Our man on the inside has gone full silence and the Anons are shitting themselves. Mm. It's been pretty fucking hard to trust the plan right now because while influencers like Joe M. Ron Parler are stepping up the rhetoric that Trump has won all 50 states and all that sort of bullshit, the followers are absolutely losing faith. And a lot of people might be sheepishly asking their estranged relatives what they're up to this <laughs> Christmas because now their cube man and their little cult has gone a little bit dead but it's not all about Q at this point because the level of deranged nonsense coming from the trump administration which is still there is actually outpacing the shit you tend to find in the conspiracy circles they've gone mad y'all quite quite mad Well, while Trump gaslights the country with this flood of claims of electoral fraud, we can't help but to think that maybe the next truth bomb actually is the one that's going to crack this whole thing wide open. But it's not, though. Poor old Kaylee McEnany had to front the press with her 234 pages of affidavits detailing some kind of electoral fraud. And while the administration is seriously hoping that the headlines simply read, 234 pages of affidavits, which sounds pretty cool, they will be incredibly fucking lucky if nobody reads the actual 
affidavits nice. because basically the problems can be traced back to this. There's a whole bunch of plague rats that call themselves vote observers that think it's funny to cough on people at Walmart and they are standing uncomfortably close to people being paid around minimum wage to count votes around the clock. While they try to get on with counting said votes, they are showing that, oh, these fucking observers have no idea how vote counting works and are interrupting them constantly. Back that up with the fact they literally believe that the National Guard put watermarks on the ballots and the entire thing's on a fucking quantum blockchain. These people who believe that are some of the affidavits in Trump's 235 affidavits. I shit you not. It is absolutely no wonder that not only do they get kicked out of the vote counting places, but people cheer when they do. They're pests. Well, it's more than that, Joe, because in trying to expose electoral fraud, it turns out they're actually committing electoral fraud. Well, look, electoral fraud is one thing, but dealing with irritating dickheads is another. I These people are clearly the most irritating so-called fucking vote observers the GOP could possibly find on any given day, and they stuck them in the room with these poor, unsuspecting counters. I swear to God, it is just a fuck with them. But... Honestly, if this is democracy in 2020, I'm hopping on a rocket ship to Mars with old my Elon Musk because I am fucking done. Uh, Joel, but look, Joel, you might want to relax because if you're looking for a date when all this madness will be over, oh. you can put the feet up. The Electoral College yeah. is due to convene in a month's time. It's just 30-odd uh, days away. For those fans of Colonial Americana, yes, the Electoral College does still sit just like in the good old days when they're gathering their pantaloons and pounded wigs and talk about the inalienable rights of man while every black in the room <laughs> owned several hundred of them. Yeah. Uh, but while slavery's gone, it's a treat to learn the Electoral College, a symbolic body up until now, will sit with their freshly printed certificates and roll out who won and by how many and finally give Donald J. Trump the arse. Yeah. And that's December 13th for putters. And at that point, the Trumpster will have to be sedated and fed chicken nuggets with a selection of sources <laughs> through an intravenous drip. Yes, he will. Meanwhile, back in Australia, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has called for the media to stop referring to Malcolm Turnbull's edict, the bonk ban. Australians were assaulted Mm. by images of ministers of the crown on the horizontal, faces turning bluish purple. (laughs) Uh, They got all squinty and made their O faces. Terrible business. Yes, a four-corner jacuzzi pointed a nailed finger at not one but two ministers alleging sexual dalliances, uh, which have been acknowledged in the case of uh, Family Values Waller, Population Minister (laughs) Alan Tudge, while AG Christian Porter has called for the third umpire. It's it's like thinking about your parents fucking, you know, like you know it happened, you know it happens, but the visuals are just not something you really want in your mind. But the reason why it's so ugly, in my opinion, is that terrible power imbalance between a minister, a minister of the crown and one of their staffers. The power dynamics here are not fucking okay. Ministers under Scott Morrison, and this is the kind of shit that started under Howard, they don't get sacked. They get fucking cancelled. And when the ministers get promotions, the girls are nudged out and forgotten. They're touched out. It's bullshit. Touched out, yes. And with that in mind, ScoMo got to his feet, spoke over the top of several women, and mansplained to the media that the term bonk ban did not have the required gravitas and urged a change. So, from this moment forth, the bonk ban will now be known as the fuck freeze. Here, here. That should add a bit of much-needed class to a rather dismal situation. Yeah, well, in other news, 
Pauline Hanson has inevitably given that nod that we were all expecting to the Q loonies. Yes, I uh, I did tip this one, Joel. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. It's on the record. And she really jumped on the idea of a great reset, which I find is very funny. This one is quite fresh. And I think we should have a look at it next week because I'd like to have a look at it in detail, listen to the speech, check out the press Mm. releases because the whole thing is basically it's a topic at the World Economic Forum about how capitalism should and can reform after these quite profound shocks of COVID. And there's a lot to it. And honestly, as someone who has a degree in political economy, I don't want to fuck this up. But on face value, this is very funny. Like she has absolutely shit the bed and she's drumming up this red scare 2.0. Ah, there are globalists, Marxists, Stalinists, Maoists all under the bed. Fuck me, I can smell it from here. I want capitalism back. Socialism smells like shit. Look, uh, I must say the redistribution of wealth has never been famous for keeping their body odor under control, but that's not what we want it for. You know, we just need a bogeyman on the left to ensure the rich get richer, the poor keep counting votes while being harassed by assholes in counting rooms, and the status quo stays the fucking same. I reckon she must have spent the entire Queensland election campaign watching YouTube vids, Joel. But we can't dwell on that now. We have to move on. We have to shrink ourselves down Rick Moranis style, climb on board a specially designed tiny craft that can withhold pressures that would crush lesser people, descend to the Earth's core and sort out the ugliness that is the anti-vaccination movement in our deeper dive. The modern anti-vax movement can generally be traced back to discredited doctor and serial grifter Andrew Wakefield. I mean, basically, this dickhead linked the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine to autism in 1998 off the back of a study with 12 kids, which was published in The Lancet and eventually retracted, pissed on and burned in a car park. This is one of the most egregious cases of fraudulent science in modern history. You see, Wakefield had his own patent ready to replace the MMR vaccine with a single-shot version. And not only that, he was a consultant for a class action for a bunch of parents who blamed the MMR for their children's autism diagnosis. He stood to make a lot of money from this, and he did make a lot of money from this. And since then, he has been a serial pest in the anti-vax movement, creating the propaganda film Vaxed, which is a complete piece of shit, because it's not a fucking documentary or a film, it is an advertisement for a cult. Now, there's a fucking Vaxed bus in Australia that goes around to towns, making people think that doctors are trying to kill them. And this is often in remote areas. It is fucked, and it is totally a cult. The end result of this prick's endless pursuit of money and fame is that Australians are bringing measles back from a holiday abroad and spreading into communities of unvaccinated dipshits. The number of cases are low, but if they had their way, this would change dramatically. I mean, the end result for this parasite, fucking Andrew Wakefield, is that he shares a bed with El McPherson. I mean, if you believe in God, that fact alone should test your faith. Because Wakefield's legacy is one of self-interest and public harm, and he is fucking proud of it. He's Stinks of Satan. What a terrible human being. But is he the main anti-vax waller, Joel? Who else is driving this shit along? I would say the main man is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is the founder of the Children's Health Defence. And where uh, is he on the Kennedy family tree, which obviously has a few broken branches on it? He's the nephew of JFK, son of Bobby. 
Afraid so, mate. But uh, even the Kennedys don't invite him to Christmas oh. these days. Yeah, oh there's been, been a bit of awkwardness there. Uh, he brought it upon himself. Uh, most of the anti-tropes that I've at least seen are complete bullshit. And a quick Google search, which I do on a routine basis, will show you that almost all, and almost all, but... It's made up. It's straight up lies. If they had the decency to take their own advice and do their own research like I fucking do, they would know this. But the facts get in the way of a good story and the entire anti-vax cult is based around good stories. And look, while people are terrified to call this kind of behavior out, I don't blame them. I'm going to fucking say it. Most vaccine injuries are a lie. Some idiot saw a fucking anti-vax meme on some Facebook group and suddenly every ailment Junior has is from a vaccination. The correlation is not causation. I've heard doctors report of pediatricians saying that the timeline that these people quote doesn't line up, but it doesn't matter because these people go as far as making a living from it. And at that point, they're too far in. They grift donations by shoving pictures of their dead children in the face of empathetic people. And these people are vulnerable to such horrific appeals for money. And good on them in a weird fucking way. Because your kid's not vaccine injured. And that's the thing. Stop trying to make your story more powerful by becoming some kind of victim. Because people do get sick. And genes are a bitch. And environments are complex. And in the rare cases, and the rare fucking cases of an adverse reaction to a vaccine, which do happen, that's objectively tragic. They're fucking rare. I guarantee you most of these vaccine stories are not traceable to vaccines. Just like when kids die from the measles, that's tragic too. And you pretend that wasn't a thing. It fucking sucks. All it fucking sucks. But at the end of the day, if you make a fucking spreadsheet, vaccines save lives. You just don't happen to hear the stories of the kids dying from the measles because it no longer fucking happens. Mm. And these are stories that are designed to trigger this emotive response to make you feel protective of your loved ones, of your, you, of your clan. And this kind of protective instinct causes anti-vaxxers to become fucking monsters on the internet. I mean, it's crazy. If you think I am getting fucking pent up, you should look at the comments on pro-vax videos. Holy Fucking shit. So there you have it. Anti-vax isn't a movement, but it's a business. It's a grift. It's a cult. And while anti-vaxxers will compel you to listen to the gut-wrenching stories of parents, don't worry. There's always a gift shop waiting at the end. GoFundMe fundraisers, merchandise stores, and fucking speaking tours. Mate, it all comes back to money every fucking time. And when it doesn't, they are the ones that simply amplify the signals yeah. of the grifters. I mean, look, it all goes back to the money. Always follow the money. The people that share articles before reading them, the people that alienate their friends and family because of their cult-like devotion to stopping other people from getting vaccinated because at the end of the day, it's all about flogging vitamin fucking powders or drinkable fucking bleach. I mean, keep that in mind because when you think about it and when you look at the raw numbers, Big Pharma makes fuck all from vaccines. Go ahead and look it up. Do your own research. It is not a moneymaker. Big Pharma makes money from opiates and boner pills. Big Pharma makes money from treatments, not cures. Mm. The problem with Big Pharma is they are literally driven by treating illness. And without illness, they don't have a business model. And vaccines are often off-patent. They might be the result of public research. And the pharma 
companies, they just manufacture the shots. This is for fuck all margin. And this is because mostly, as a bit of a quid pro quo, governments make them do it. And this is why there's these vaccine courts with the government backing, because without those, what company would be caught dead holding themselves open to liability when there is an adverse reaction? And compensation is absolutely due in cases where deaths or some sort of quality of life is reduced. Very, very rare. Yeah, very, very rare. Fucking rare. But Mm. they do happen, and the government pays out. And why? This is because governments are the ones pushing the vaccines. And the reason why is because it's for public health. It's for everyone. It's public not about... good, the common good. Exactly. Like you were saying, it's a social contract. And while a few of them have been lucrative, maybe Gardasil made a few bucks because, to be fair, that was a very private enterprise, most of them are boring as fuck. You think these guys are making money of MMR? Honestly, Big Pharma would love to stop making these if they had the choice, but they're often forced to because of public health initiatives, because of quid pro quo of governments. And these sort of things are the reasons why any time any vaxxers' arguments are put up to a flame, especially when they talk shit about money, they just fall apart immediately. Like, there is so much to this. This just scratches the surface. But, Jack, what do these pro-disease plague rats actually want for society once all the vaccines are gone and all is said and done? Well, Joel, I want to talk a bit about measles. So we've mentioned it earlier. The measles vaccine is recommended for all children. It's a two-shot vaccination normally given around 12 months and 18 months of age under the National Immunisation Program in Australia and free of charge. Measles is caused by a virus in the paramyxovirus family and it is normally passed through direct contact and through the air. It is one of the most contagious diseases known in medical science. And we worry over COVID-19 infection, which we should, of course, but the SARS-CoV-2 virus remains airborne for three to five metres in most situations before it dies without a host. But measles, you could have someone who is infectious with measles at one end of the MCG and another kid who's prone to it, who hasn't been vaccinated for it at the other end. And that kid will get a very strong likelihood that that kid will get measles. That's fucking crazy. The measles virus remains airborne for two to 300 metres. Just think that's, about that's that. That's crazy. And, that's an, and crazy. unless you have an immunity, it will fuck you up. Or more, more precisely, it will fuck up infants and little children. The first sign of measles is usually high fever, which begins about 10 to 12 days after exposure to the virus and lasts four to seven days. A runny nose, a cough, red and watery eyes and small white spots inside the cheeks turn up. After several days, a rash erupts, usually on the face and upper neck. Over about three days, the rash spreads, eventually reaching the hands and feet. The rash lasts for five to six days and then fades. On average, the rash occurs 14 days after exposure to the virus within a range of 7 to 18 days. And most measles-related most deaths are caused by complications associated with the disease. Serious complications are more common in children under the age of 5 but can also affect adults over 30. The most serious complications include blindness, Jeez. encephalitis, yep. severe diarrhoea and related dehydration, ear yep. infections, or severe respiratory infections such as pneumonia. Which can kill you. It would be difficult to imagine a more painful death for little children. And within that vulnerable group, there is yet another even more vulnerable 
vulnerable group, little kids living in poverty with nutritional deficiencies, vitamin deficiencies found, especially in the developing world. Yet that is the sort of world the anti-vaxxers want. Yeah, measles is the fucking disease that RFK wants us all to have. Like, literally, he's on record for saying this. Uh, maybe, look, now it's a good time to look at infection rates from measles around the world. What's the go? Well, measles infections have increased across the world by 50% since 2016. And last year, 208,000 mainly children died from the disease and its complications. In Australia, we're seeing the rates of measles infections rise. The second stage inoculation was introduced in 1992. At the time, we had around 5,000 cases per million people. Ten years after uh, the second stage inoculation was introduced, uh, we had it reduced to two cases per million, you know, and that's eradication. That's technically the end of measles in Australia, or it should have been. Yeah, well, I mean, and what now? Like, what's the go now? Well, by 2014, we were back to 365 cases per million. The promise of eradication was gone. And while 2014 was a peak, the cases are starting to trend upwards again, all on the back of the anti-vaccination movement. And now we know this because the instances of infection have occurred in inner cities and some of our, shall we say, hippie-infested regional towns, Byron Bay is one very good example. And that's just measles, Jack. I mean, like there's several quite nasty diseases, these plague, rat, pro-disease, scumbags are keen to see come back. Lots and lots. Between the ages of zero and four, children with decent parents will be inoculated for hepatitis B, mumps, rubella, chickenpox, diphtheria, whooping cough, polio, as well as measles. And while we used to have inoculation rates in the low 90 percentile, which creates herd immunity across the board, Those rates are now in decline, meaning more fucking hippies and middle-class know-nothings are tinkering with hard-won immunities. So tell me, Joe, what the fuck is going on here? Who's spreading the information? Who are the cunts driving this? Fuck me. Where do I start? I mean, the anti-vax movement is literally viral. And while there's some big-time cult leaders around the place like Robert F. Kennedy and Del Bigtree in the States, misinformation in this field literally spreads like a virus, especially across social media, of course. While a lot of the anti-vaxxers out there are sharing content from the big boys that produce the shiny stuff like Bobby and Dell, I mean, they're making their own pea-brain misinformation memes as well. And this really lends to the fact that while RFK and Dell are absolutely not afraid of telling porcupines, the average numpty anti-vaxxer on the internet seeking attention from his cult is even less likely to be careful with the truth. I mean, you can find some outrageous shit out there. I'm telling you, mate, when you head into the anti-vax mangrove and I've fucking been there with wellies on, expect a swamp, like a fucking mosquito malaria ridden swamp. Oh, dear, dear. But look, Joe, names. I want names. You might got to name names, Joe. All right, well, I mean, the guy that pisses me off the most is probably Del Bigtree, the television producer who worked on The Doctors and found himself co-producing Vax with Wakefield. I mean, Wakefield is a fucking all-star in scumbaggery here, but let's face it, he's not actually a media tyrant. He actually works with media tyrants like Bigtree, who he runs a YouTube uh, channel called The High Wire, which is, oh, they fucking love it. And look, this guy, he he worked on The Doctors, he heard a bunch of anti-Vax crap, and he found a grift, and he's absolutely stuck to it on the back of Vax and Vax Two. So everything mate, he's knocking out is yeah. anti-Vax. That's the oh, 
Everything. Big time. Look, I don't actually even know because I hate him so much. I can't even listen to him. I'm not sure if he even goes as far as to say he cares about safe vaccines. <laughs> but it's quite likely he does. I mean, look, let's face it. They're all bullshitting in one way or another. These people are compulsive liars if ever they've been born. Then you've got fucking you Bobby know, RFK. Bobby's, Robert F. Kennedy, Bobby, yeah. Bobby's young fella, yeah. He, and he's, yeah. An, he's an environmental lawyer, so he knows everything about medicine, doesn't he? Well, that's the thing, mate. Like, I mean, the sad thing is this guy apparently did some really great stuff to stand up for the environment. And as someone who, you know, leans a bit green on some of these things, I'm probably yeah. happy for him doing it. But you know what? You can go fuck yourself now, you piece of shit. I hope you die. So <laughs> he's really well respected in that sort of field. And uh, he's like a rock star. Yeah, it adds to the, a bit of integrity. Taxes. It adds to that sort of uh, this, is does. Man, this is a man to be believed. And, and, and while it's complete. Complete falsehood. I mean, he's an environmental lawyer, which means he's a lawyer who's specialised specialised in uh, in large lawsuits against uh, corporations. Yeah. Um, he's a professional. He, he knows absolutely sweet fuck all about medical science, epidemiology, virology. You know, if we if we if we got him a if we got him a a texter and a and a uh, and a postage stamp, he'd probably be able to write everything he knows about epidemiology on the back of it. The anti-vax community are lucky to have a fucking arts degree between a lot of them, and yet they dwell so hard on whether Bill Gates has a fucking medical degree or not, and yet their thought leaders haven't got any credentials whatsoever. It's embarrassing. And the ones that are doctors, well, they think that demon sperm is a thing. So, I mean, let's not even fucking go there. But RFK is amazing. He literally thinks that measles is good for you. He thinks that it lowers your risk of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and you should basically catch it. Uh, But the thing that's really interesting about non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and the biggest thing that stops that from happening is being dead from measles. It's a a fucking surefire cure. And what about in Australia, Joe? Oh, in Australia, it's tricky. Pete Evans has said, as his lawyers have uh, repeated, um... He's pro safe vaccine. Yes, he says so. Yes, he does say so a lot, and uh, and he's quite cagey about the whole thing. Um, he is. He has, but at the same time, euphemistic responses. Uh, he speaks loudly with a lot of uh, um, very established anti-vaxxers. Which, if you talk to them, you will find much more anti-vax material. So it's kind of like the whole thing with Nancy Reagan and the idea that there's a gateway drug. I'll be the first to admit that my weed dealer, when I was a teenager, introduced me to acid. I mean, gateway drugs are totally a thing. I mean, once you know the guy, then you start getting the good shit. And- well, it's kind of it's just a it's just an obvious sort of thing though, isn't it? I mean, it, it is. you know, a gateway just is another way of saying a natural progression. Oh, totally. And the algorithms lean toward this. When you start saying, okay, well, I'm going to look up Del Bigtree. Okay, I'm going to look up Pete Evans. Oh, I'm going to look up David Icke. Oh, I'm going to start looking up Holocaust denial. I mean, so Pete, look. Yeah, look, I, I get it. But so, so, but, but Pete, Pete sits nominally on the fence and, and we know he's extremely litigious, uh, young Pete, but um, uh, he sits on the fence. But there are others, aren't they, who have uh, just clam, climbed over and just kept on going. The other one in Oz that I would say is probably the superstar of the movement is Taylor Winterstein, or uh, otherwise known as Tay's Way. Um, mm. She's one of the footy player wags. She is a serial anti-vax pest. And I mean, look, I have not looked into her far enough to know how she qualifies her anti-vaccine stance, but it is aggressive. 
the this is the kind of person that really makes the anti-vax stance militant and quite terrifying. And I think that uh, recently she said she was going to take a break from social media to spend more time with her children. And all I could think of was, thank fucking Christ. <laughs> Look, I'm greatly relieved to hear it too. Who else we got? Well, look, if we want to go further down the spiral, uh, this there's some really, really dark places where people have exploited the deaths of their relatives or children or severe illness uh, of their loved ones. And I find this stuff even hard to wade into because, honestly, it is just thick shit. Uh, Evie Klobes, sad story, uh, smothered by her mother uh, when she rolled over on her when they were co-sleeping. Um, this is something that is just, it's its not arguable. The the, the, the medical uh, examiner, the autopsy, it all came back. How old was the Evie? Kid- yeah, she was about six months old. So we have potentially a sort of SIDS type situation here except well they, they were both they were the mother and daughter were sleeping together yeah it feels kind of awful talking about a child's death like this but yes the coroner said that basically the injury was due to co-sleeping with the adult and uh, that she would have likely have been on her face at the time it's uh, asphyxiation basically um and look there's this whole thing about how there was is, that like what the, is that what the coroner said that is yeah and look there's this whole thing about the fact there was alcohol involved but it's bullshit she had like two drinks the whole thing is murky as fuck and look i right. do want to say straight off the bat i don't know the full story here and you should do your own research on this because all i've seen is you know the 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 the, the, the stuff on social and what seems to be happening is that she's using her dead child to form a career on anti-vaccine activism. She might be riddled with grief, and I suspect she, she, she is. She's in a state of traumatised yes. denial. Yes, and, so, and, and so basically she, she has rationalised what was a tragic circumstance and a tragic outcome, and she's rationalised by, by that by jumping on the anti-vax movement and making some coin out of her uh, dead daughter. And getting a purpose and getting validation and all of the usual drugs. And the thing is, look, I've got a few names here. I'm actually reluctant to mention them because I yeah, feel sorry for but them. This, but th- this is not this is not unusual behaviour at that level of the anti-vax anti-vax no. movement. They're using the illness and or and or death of yep. their of their children. Uh, absolutely as a regrettable. Grift. Yeah. As, it's a as, grift. Yeah. And, and adopting that, adopting the anti-vaccination movement, I suspect there are a number of legal uh, cases, there are a number of suits filed by these people against... These are very uh, litigious people in the States. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And they um, and they also, they, they, uh, they sue critics like ourselves um, and they also uh, take out a lot of billboards across the state, and that's sort of the the umbrella they work on to raise funds. I'm going to put a billboard here. I'm going to put a billboard there. And anyone who uh, really truly believes in the bullshit they're being fed is happy to shell out some money to go toward these fucking billboards. Well, look, I've just got a got a quick message for Katie Klobes and the people of those ilk, people of that ilk. In fact, Katie's the only one we've really named. But Katie, if you think you're a shot. In Australian defamation law, you might be right. Have a go and we will drag every single bit of shit out on your life and produce it in a court of law. Have a crack if you like. Go your hardest. 
I think most of her threats end up being empty. Um, but I think also like that goading there was also empty too. Let's not get sued today. Let's <laughs> no, face it though. No. We walked into this Look, knowing exactly what we're up for. There's, there's a very good PR angle that uh, <laughs> you may not be willing to explore. Yeah. It could be worth it. It could be worth it. Look, you've got nothing to come. You can't. You can't wring blood from a stone. I tell you what. I'll, I'll give you my bank details, and you'll know what's on. So, I think one of the things that's really interesting and like really quite, uh, you know, harrowing about all this sort of thing when it comes down to the result of vaccines, which these guys sort of claim, which is the big bogeyman of autism, the worst thing yes. ever. Yes, the adverse is, reaction, the injury. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so basically, there's a there was the Wakefield introduced this connection. That's right. Uh, and because we have higher rates of diagnosis, higher and earlier rates, so we have earlier interventions. Yep. We have far more knowledge on autism. Yeah, uh, than we did even ten years ago, and certainly the DSM changes, blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's exactly. It, it, it's neuro, it's neurological. Um, yep, and as well, so so we have more diagnosis and we have more treatment management, and and yep. uh, it's much it's a much better uh, place and great strategies for, for autistic children or children, we should say, on the spectrum. Absolutely, and, and so we do have higher cases because we have more diagnosis. Absolutely. And that's yeah. the issue. But the anti-vaxxers are saying, oh, no, there are more. And actually Donald Trump tweeted this stuff up in 2014. Oh, yeah. kids go away and they have a needle and they come back autistic. Yeah. And there's absolutely no clinical, scientific correlation between the two. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. And the thing is, is that these guys shift the goalposts because when truth starts getting close to their movement, they move. Yeah. So. It was all about thymerosal. The space shifters. <clears throat> as soon as you front them with knowledge, information, fact, uh, they shit themselves and go another direction. And these directions take about 15 seconds to think up. You know, it's a gin and tonic and a fucking chat with L. McPherson. Whereas the counterpoint takes 50,000 children, and that was the MMR. That was the definitive study. MMR, 50,000 children to prove the autism link was not there. And all they'll do is just move on to fucking Gardasil. Yeah. I mean, you've got Robert fucking De Niro offering $100,000 to anyone who'll prove that vaccines are safe. What does that even mean? <laughs> what does vaccines are safe even mean? And the thing that's fucking hilarious is that here's a guy who's prepared to put his money where his mouth is. <laughs> it's not much 100,000 bucks? It's literally, for him, it's literally five bob each way. It is. It is. hundred percent. It's like a Melbourne Cup flutter when you've had a couple of drinks. <laughs> it's a fuck. Like, I mean, come on. And this is something that the anti-vaxxers, and I've seen this over the last decade or so, because it was a long time since the Tribeca Festival where he pulled vax and the whole thing about the 100K came up. Mate, if you are seriously going to say that vaccine causes autism and you want to say, say, I want proof that vaccines do not cause autism and if you've got it, I'll give you 50 mil. Mm. Now we're talking, old Bobby. Now we're talking. <laughs> What's with fucking Bobbies anyway? Jesus Christ. Uh, well, look, there's, there's actually – so these groups don't just exist online. There's a political element. They're starting to take form and structure and and uh, they tend to be – I mean, I don't – if there was a sort of social – ID, you know, the, the, the common phrase is that uh, anti-vaxxers are more likely to drive a Prius than a pickup. You know, yeah. that it is a middle class 
uh, it, it holds middle class appeal generally to people so they say. with too much time on their hands. Um, but yes, and I suppose we also should say that they are filtering into those sort of vulnerable groups uh, yeah. in our in our society. But essentially, this is a middle class. Uh, this is a middle class thing, you know. This is people well, with too much time in their hands looking. And yeah. let's let's have a let's have a climb at Google and YouTube. Because you know you, you might you might sit down thinking, gee, my my kid's crook. I'll go to you know I'll Doctor Google, Doctor Google, and, yeah. and then and then flip through a few YouTube clips, and all of a sudden you're a rabid anti-vaxxer. But the thing with the you know I get the pickup with the Prius, and I so see the comparison. But the thing that I'm finding quite chilling is that the pickup guys are picking up the anti-vax vibes. They're marching toward it because yeah. I always saw this as being the wellness community, the type of people who have real skepticism towards Big Pharma. And look, I'm I'm there with them. Uh, you know, I was brought up in a very uh, skeptical family when it comes to that sort of stuff. I skipped the vaccines when I was in uh, high school and I got mine later. You're in, not in coming around to my place ever, Joel. Mate, I, I, I came around, but... <laughs> The thing is, is that I have definitely seen both sides of that story. And for me, it's actually quite native to see the hippie community and the anti-vax community. It's something I'm so used to. The thing that really shines me is the pickup trucks. The, the, you know, the F-150s in the States with these bumper stickers saying, you know, I'll take your vaccine over my dead body. And I see the overlap between libertarian politics That's and right. the idea of being enforced to have a vaccine. But like, where the fuck... This this coagulation of uh, conspiracy theorists, whether it be you know sort of people who think that Bill Gates is sketchy because they don't like vaccines, whether it becomes uh, libertarian issues of you know sort of uh, freedom of choice and things like that, or whether it becomes the idea of being sort of you know just natural in general, well, they've all come together and made a pond, yeah, it a ticks, pond of scum. It, t- <laughs> it, t- it does tick all those boxes. So we do see, and of course, libertarianism can exist on the left and on the right. Well, politics. yeah, but it is that sort of libertarian. Well, look, you know, you would if I you wandered up to Byron and, and walked around there for a while, you'd see people on the libertarian left who have adopted anti-vaccine. Yes, well, these approaches. motherfuckers are also, you know, there spreading is, Trump there, memes. There is, and there is that very strong "don't step on me" element. Yeah. Um, don't stab me! Don't stab me with a twenty gauge needle element. You know, yes. with the, with the cobra about to about to strike. Um, uh, you know, that, and that's and that's so uh, that covers that sort of uh, almost militia type. We're getting we're getting into that soft sit movement again as well. Yeah, uh, and there is so that so they're taking political form. Yeah, <clears throat> and it's like the whole thing is completely shocking because when you look down at it, and this is a very very abbreviated wrap of what's going on. You've got this movement that is riding on the coattails of a pandemic where there's a vaccine coming. And they've had this, uh, you know, fairly well-oiled but not too active, somewhat dormant machine that has gone into overdrive now that we are all going to be faced with this new idea of a rushed vaccine. Uh, See, so so, so, it's all built on fear. Because there's an accelerated clinical trial period, because of the urgency (laughs) to resolve this, people are dying, economies are being wrecked. So there's a real urgency to get this out there, and there is, you know, there are clinical, there are clinical trials going on that that are that are not uh, 
are illegitimate. They've just been accelerated. But, but they the are, fear yeah, will be played I mean, basically, it, it, when we talk about political wings, in Australia we have a group called the Informed Medical Options Party. We and, do. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, informed medical, informed medical options. I'd love to be informed about medical options. But it is essentially anti-vaccination uh, or the political wing of the anti-vaccination movement in Australia. And they pop candidates up. They, they tend to get very small uh, fractions of votes. But uh, if you have a look in some electorates, they're popping up at 2 and 3%. Yeah, well, thank Christ for that because realistically they're getting under the, the general margin of getting funding. I, I would hate to see uh, IMOP start getting government funding for what they do. Yeah, And they do, of course. But if you run and continue to run uh, candidates in the northern, northern rivers of New South Wales and electorates in the northern rivers of New South Wales at state and federal level, you know, you're going to start you're going to start getting some – well, they, get their, they might start getting their money back yeah, uh, they money might back. start getting even a bit of uh, a bit of federal electoral funding. Oh, sorry, and, a bit of uh, Australian Electoral Commission funding. And these guys don't even need to get their, you know, uh, uh, the seats. They don't even need them. Their presence is a problem because what they'll do is they'll spread this misinformation, and this misinformation will reduce vaccine rates, and that will cause us to have issues when some bloody lovely kid goes off to an interesting developing country on some sort of volunteering fact-finding gap year, comes back with the measles, and now all the fucking northern rivers have fucking <laughs> measles. I mean, this is fucking ridiculous. I mean, the thing that really, really shits me with this is that you've got these people who are happy to see these ridiculously small, and let's face it, like the, the, the odds of dying from any of these diseases are really, really small. Fair enough. But when it comes down to the adverse reactions of these vaccines, they're one in a million. Well, Compared absolutely one in a million. But I mean, if you're talking about not vaccinating people for polio, measles, rubella, diphtheria, these sorts of diseases, when you count up the infant mortality rates of these uh, of these uh, disorders, conditions, diseases, collectively, then you start getting into some. Big it gets numbers. very real. Yeah, it, it gets, gets very real. Really and the thing numbers. that really shits me though is that you've got these assholes who are almost inevitably denying the existence of COVID, or at least denying yes. the lethality of COVID. Yeah. And they are sitting there saying that COVID has a ninety nine point nine percent recovery rate, which means that point fucking one of the percent of the people are dying which is a lot of people. But then on the other hand, they scream about adverse reactions to vaccines, mm. which are one in a million, and that is on a balance of probabilities basis from a fucking vaccine court, not even deaths. It's not even deaths, it's not even one in a million. And these people seriously are happy to see one in a thousand odd people die, but mm. not one in a million have a, a fucking fever. Yeah. I just, anyway. Yeah, that's look, a good I way had... of putting it. I mean, look, yeah, look, it's it's deeply concerning because we are on the verge of, you know, a pandemic, possibly a pandemic ending vaccine. That's it. And yeah. the question is, will there be enough, will there be enough Australians who will who will take it? I, I, I'll be right so. up front. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to look at the clinical testing data and and uh, if, if we have got, uh, uh, approval from the FDA. If we if we have approval uh, from Australia's uh, Therapeutic Goods Administration, mate, I'll be first in line. Six months ago, I would have thought 
I'm a little bit freaked out by a COVID vaccine that's being rushed through the channels. Right now, after the amount of research I've done to see mm. both sides of the argument, because honestly, I have given these fuckers a lot of space. They failed at every turn. I have absolute confidence in not even looking at the clinical data. I'm happy to just ask a couple of mates because I actually know scientists. <laughs> well, well, I mean, when I when I say look, when I look at the clinical data, it's, it's probably just as just as have faith in the Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia, which is absolute experts, and have faith in uh, the Food and Drug Administration in the United States of who've uh, basically had their problems just dealing with Donald Trump but have remained really pure. shits me with this. Like this whole entire thing is this erosion in trust in experts, not only when it comes to science and medicine but also in journalism. The fact that Trump made journalists enemies, mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. People who have conspiracy theory ideals that think that the mainstream media are against them, that doctors are trying to kill them and that scientists are all liars do not fucking know any journalists they do not know any scientists they do not know any doctors they certainly don't know any fucking politicians and i tell you what the amount of people i know in these fields have been very reassuring because you suddenly realize that you actually know cogs in the machine and you see them but these people who've never met people they haven't gone to city university they haven't you know met these amazing people who actually affect change they're terrified. The processes the drug companies have taken to clear the safety of these shots has given me a fairly overwhelming sense of confidence in their safety. Like, if there's one thing I'm immune to at this point, it's bullshit. If you try to make me scared of something, I'm going to double check that because I'm always going to be skeptical of some kind of anti-vax fear line that tries to feed me a whole bunch of nonsense which is either kind of true, but mostly hyperbolic, or complete bullshit. I mean, conspiracy theories at this point are not compelling. They're just annoying as fuck. And I'm always open to the idea that some of these have a kernel of truth, but it never shows up. And honestly, like at this point, we've got COVID. It's a thing. There's a shot coming. And either give me a good reason and stop lying or just get a new hobby. Like for fuck's sake. Because at the end of the day, anti-vax is a grift and anti-vax is a cult. And they appeal to the emotions of decent people and then exploit their decency for money. And this shits me up the wall. It turns otherwise rational people into frothing armies of idiots on social media that think they're saving the kids, but all they're really doing is lining the pockets of a bunch of shysters pushing ableist bullshit to suck money from rubes. I've lost friends to this cult, so it's personal to me, and while I've held back a bit in this episode, I think we're going to return to this topic in another one to uh, flesh it out further. But for now, I think we're done. Well, Joe, I can see steam coming out of your ears, and your eyes look like piss holes in the snow. Your blood is truly angry up, uh, and I don't want you to bottle that up. I want you to release it. Get to your feet and get a rant going on anti-vaxxers right now. We all know that vaccines cause autism. I'll admit it, it's true. Wakefield was right. The medical establishment has kept him down for too long. But like any good conspiracy, it's not what it seems. While the idiots on the internet point their fingers at the big military pharma autism complex, the real issue lies in your hand or your pocket or on your desk or whatever. 
While people like Jenny McCarthy like to think that people with autism, including her own son, don't have souls, I think they're fucking heroes. It's pretty bloody difficult in a world that leans so heavily on being picture perfect and on point at all times to find yourself a little bit different, and that's bloody hard. And I tip my hat to them, because good on you. Keep fucking going because you see anti-vaxxers use kids with autism as bogeymen and for that they can go fuck themselves neurodiverse people except for the ones on 4chan are fucking great and we should celebrate them and not label them as vaccine injuries but if i can't convince you to be a decent person i can at least show you that it's in your best self-interests to respect our mates on the spectrum because you see we live in a time where technology has become essential to our lives we can't take a shit without interacting with a microchip or two without technology we would be stuffed so where the fuck do you think the technology is coming from it's the kids with autism everyone loves elon musk he's gonna save us all by taking us to mars in a well-branded rocket ship he's gonna save south australia's power grid with a giant bloody battery he's autistic as fuck i bet he had two injections because his parents knew he'd be special steve jobs everyone loves old ipod pants he revolutionized the things we put in our hands to avoid interacting with other people i reckon he was right on the spectrum but how good are fucking macbooks i mean he probably did a measles mumps rubella chaser after he drank those dumb fruit juices that eventually killed him. We all know Gates is a raging Aspie. Most of you use Microsoft products to post misinformation about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation without a shred of irony. Mark Zuckerberg has never made eye contact with anyone ever. But how the fuck do you think you would share all your anti-vaccine bullshit without the work of that vaccine-injured innovator? I mean, they're all autists and they've changed the world. We should rename Silicon Valley to Spectrum Valley. I mean, send out tech recruiters to the special schools because we're going to Mars and the kids with autism are taking us there. So what happens if we stop vaccinating the kids? We're all fucked. I mean, if autism disappears, then what? Are you going to make the next Facebook? Piss off. You can barely tie your own shoes. We need these little geniuses to make the MacBooks, to keep the lights on while we're thrashing the power grid with needless air conditioning and outdoor beer gardens and to eventually ferry us off to Mars once we finally fuck the planet and burn all the oil. So I say vaccinate the kids, vaccinate the shit out of them, give them a daily shot of MMR before breakfast because without them we are fucking doomed. So here's a cheers to those out there riding the spectrum. We see you and you're not a fucking injury. Jesus fucking Christ, I'm scared and angry. I think we need to take a breath and cogitate on this, uh, but we can't. We have to keep moving. And so, Joel, are you ready? Have you composed yourself sufficiently in- to intro our next segment? Or should I ring triple zero? I'm good, Jack. I'm actually a bit better after all that. Uh, now, Jack, you've been keeping a close eye on the idiot foul son of Donald J. Trump. Eric! Eric Trump. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his Love dad, dad, but he gets brushed off at every time he reaches out to him, leaving him in a state of deep existential crisis. Mm. Eric Trump, he's like a bastard, bastard on, on Father's, Father's Day. Day. Mm. Sad. I've been keeping a very close eye on Eric because I worry about him, child worry about the kind of mayhem a young man like him might get stuck into when he's been so repeatedly repeatedly ignored by his dad. The sort of psychological trauma that's already come his way could tip him over the edge at any time. And uh, before you know it, he'll be shopping at Bunnings for the big bags of ammonium nitrate. 
And it transpires that Eric scheduled a tweet to run on election day, but the Gregorian calendar causes him deep confusion, and he booked the tweet to run exactly one week after the election. He urged the good people of Minnesota to get out and vote. And the tweet ignored the fact that Minnesotans had already got out and voted the week before, giving Joe Biden a win by a lousy quarter of a million votes, and most of them fraudulent and cast by dead Elvis. And I can only imagine the scene at the White House with the Trumpster handing out a bit of tough love after that tweet from Eric. Some rough corporal punishment to his idiot second son, leaving a whimpering Eric to exclaim with every blow, I still love your dad. (laughs) He's an idiot. A moron, a genetic throwback, but he's a good-looking boy, though, Joel. It's like he just walked off the set of a Scotch ad. Right off the top of a yacht. Yeah, he's a good-looking boy, Jack. He's a good-looking boy. <laughs> and now and now it's time for my favourite segment. And I know from the reams of letters we get from listeners to the program that they think so too. So much so that many give the rest of the program the arse and play this segment over and over and over. And quite frankly, I think they're onto something. It's the week in Pete Evans. Another huge week from Pete, Joel. Yeah, it's 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 been an enormous week, vast week, Jack. Uh, so this week, uh, Pete's endorsed source of oh. Jamaican nature. Mm. You know, say that a hundred times. Uh, <laughs> it turned out to have lethal weapons of undisclosed undisclosed fish. Undisclosed fish. Mm. Yeah, it's the worst kind I've heard. Um, it's uh, it's the one that really gets you. Uh, now, I eat fish now and then. I think it's lovely, if not a little bit expensive. But if you're allergic to our mollusky friends, this shit can fucking kill you. Well, I have to say, I smothered peach Jamaican sauce all over a bit of carp I'd fetched out of a pond. Now, I am allergic to carp and went looking for a bit of peach jerk carp Jamaican action to take the edge off it. In the seconds before the anaphylactic shock kicked in and my tongue swelled to 12 times its normal size, I have to say it was delicious. And I won't have a bad word said about Pete. I love all his recipes, even the baby formula made out of old chop bones. That's actually my favourite. Look, it's a worthy death. Uh, Look, the thing with Pete is that he's not one to admit defeat. And his silence on this issue has been deafening because akin to his mate Donald Trump, he's not about to concede that his endorsed source contains anything but the finest of activated nonsense. Mm. The only people Pete's Jamaican source will kill are those that deserve to die, and that's the final word because Pete knows who should live and who shouldn't, and that's the world we should all strive to live in because natural selection should be paleo style. Paleo style, that's right. And that was another week so huge that I fear we may have to add an eighth day in there. Call it Evans Day, if you like, just so Pete can cram even more into it and keep us amused. We love you, Pete. Yeah, it looks like Evans Day will be the day we spend selling multi-level marketing essential oils to our friends. It's uh, it's what you do on Evans Day, uh, Joe. It's uh, the day of the Sabbath. And you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit and use Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review.
If you want a bloody excellent deep dive on anti-vaxxers, check out the Paranoid Strain for a seriously deep dive on the topic. Their anti-vax episode is the best thing I found all week on this. It's It's got some really good shit in there we didn't cover. It's fucking long too. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. We've set up a Facebook page, which you can find fairly easily if you search for the Conditioner Release Program. And finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if it's simply to tell us that you have plans to sneak dangerous allergens into our food and poison us. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, listeners. See ya. Catch you next week.